Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group, networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Legendary Leaders, the podcast. It's going to be a super special episode that's in particular very close to my heart. A few weeks ago, I had the honor to meet a wonderful lady called Mira Lull, and we were chatting away and chatting away and realized, oh my God, we have so much in common. Our paths have been very, very similar. What we have done with our paths is similar-ish, I'd say, but literally we're bouncing off thoughts and ideas of how to live one's best life, how to look after oneself, how to listen to the body more and how to stop ourselves more from our own inner gremlins, our own critics and expectations from the world around us. This is just one of many topics we are going to talk about today. And Nira shares a few very, very personal stories that definitely made me rethink again and reminded me of, ah, okay, there are a few steps I might have forgotten about and I need to bring back into my life and take action. And I'm pretty sure something similar, if not the same, is going to happen to you while re uh, listening to the podcast. But who is Nira? In case you haven't seen her on national Canadian television or listened to her on the radio, Nira is an embodiment coach and she teaches empathetic women how to thrive emotionally and master their energy as well as heal their past. And Nira has been an advocate for self-mastery in the areas of emotions, body and energy while facilitating soul deep healing since 2009 already. And while she was doing that, she, as I said, managed to overcome a few of her own challenges, setting boundaries, learning to truly look after herself and to develop a very selfish but healthy, in a healthy sense, selfish way of looking after herself. Then along the way, there came a baby as well. So the joys of having a newborn, also the challenges of having a newborn played a role, obviously, too. And there were a few more obstacles that got in her way that she overcame just brilliantly. All of those she's going to share with us, how she managed along the way, her loved ones as well, making sure they are on board, they are on her side without necessarily focusing too much on what other people think. That's going to be the key point of this conversation. So I'd love to hear from you after this show what you thought about it. What are your reflections? What might you want to do differently or what steps might you want to take? I'm definitely looking forward to hearing from you and to reading your feedback too. But for now, 
let's have a listen to today's episode. Enjoy, everybody. So, hello and welcome, Nira. It's so great to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Oh, it's been a long time since we spoke for the first time, right? And I was getting very, very excited in the run-up to today. So thank you for being here and thank you. I know you will already make this episode today really inspirational, really insightful, and hopefully also fun too. Uh, there's a lot that our audience can take away from it. And um, before we dive into the details of your journey, of everything you are doing, it would be great to have a little introduction by yourself, who you are, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, and who you serve. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, so I'm an embodiment coach and healer. I go by so many names. It's sometimes hard to place a name on what I do. But I've been working with people since 2009 on the journey of healing, on the journey of coming back to your wholeness. And mainly I work with women who are highly empathic or sensitive, and I help them to sort of manage their energy, master their energy master their emotions and really understand their emotions and heal the past. And so I do that in a variety of different ways and forms that, you know, span channeling and energy work to neuro-linguistic programming and many, many different tools to kind of get that mind-body connection in resonance and in sync so that you can learn to be your own healer and uh, kind of navigate your life from a place that feels deeply in tune and aligned with your soul and your knowing. And just, um, I think personally for me, that's the most empowering thing and the most beautiful thing. And so I just want to offer that to others and help them through their journey uh, toward wherever they're going, whatever direction they're going, whether it's in their relationships, their career, their finances, whatever it is, you know, if we can come, if we can walk that journey toward where we're moving in a place of greater wholeness and authenticity to ourselves, I find that the path becomes smoother, more clear, and just feels more enriching and aligned. Wow. Big things you mentioned and great work you're doing. And I was wondering while you were talking about your observations. So to be a little bit more precise of what I mean, I noticed in particular in the last year that there is a larger interest and understanding for the topic of wholeness to be in tune with oneself and a real desire to achieve this point. What's your view and what have you been noticing? It's so interesting that you mentioned that because just, I'm going to say like a week or two ago, I kept seeing the word wholeness on social media. Like I think I was just scrolling through Instagram and seeing people post about wholeness. And I thought, That's so interesting because I've been using this word for a while and usually like it's, it's hasn't been a popular word, you know, like it's not something that has been talked about in that way for a while. And now I'm seeing it everywhere. So I've definitely feel this shift towards people kind of turning within and asking those deeper questions and being more ready for it. And I think that's just a product of the pressures that everybody has been feeling over the last few years now. And just, there's just so much pressure that's been coming down on everyone in, in different ways, whether it's like public health 
things or just closures and, or, you know, your family and just kind of having to navigate and adjust to how life has been changing. Uh, And I noticed this with myself too. Like you, you see the places that maybe aren't, you're not able to hold together as well, or the, the ways that you do thrive and the things that you do need. And then maybe noticing where that's not present in your life. And I think that that's showing people, I always say the macro and the micro are mirrors of each other. So when we see just mass level divisiveness at the macro level and, you know, kind of things crumbling, but new things coming up at the micro level. And there's a level uh, at the macro level, there's a level level of chaos that's also happening at the micro within us. Right. And so I think we are feeling that and, and people are moving more towards that exploration for themselves. Yeah. And I, notice in my environment and circle of friends when I use the word wholeness for yourself or they are like what wishy-washy word is that right it's really hard for some people at least to uh, resonate with their word and to really understand what lies behind it you mentioned wholeness you mentioned authenticity what does wholeness mean to you oh it's such a great question wholeness simply means like coming back to more of you your truth right as since we're born, we're just programmed in so many ways to move in the direction that the world feels is acceptable, right? Because we all just want to be liked. We all want to feel connection and belonging. And so in an effort to feel connection and belonging, we begin to adjust ourselves, right? We begin to maybe hide certain parts of ourselves that uh, that are maybe too loud or too sensitive or, or whatever. And then we show the other parts of ourselves, maybe the parts of us that are more likable, we think that are more funny, that are more adventurous, that are more bold. I'm not, you know, it can be different for each person, depending on what your environment and the people around you have taught you is desirable and what's not desirable. Right. So in that quest to feel desirable, to feel like we belong, to connect to people, to feel good, to feel worthy, mm-hmm. we sometimes move away from who we really are, mm-hmm. right? Like who we truly, really are. And so the path of wholeness is moving toward a place where in every moment you're asking, does this make me feel whole? If I felt whole, what would I do? If I felt totally and completely worthy, what would I do? You know, what would I do in this scenario, that scenario, what choice would I make? And it's coming from that true alignment to what's important and real for you. And that that comes with a significant amount of unlearning oftentimes and healing and stepping into courageousness and bravery because it can feel like a lonely journey or can feel like a risky journey. But as we start to do it, we start to shine a light on more of us that maybe has been felt oppressed or suppressed in the past. And then we kind of have to heal those layers as we allow, allow ourselves to see more of ourselves and for, to show more of ourselves in the world as well. And quite frequently I was in that position and I hear that from friends of mine as well. We don't even know that we are not tapping into our true selves because we may have unlearned to be our true self and kind of unfriended one another. And to have this realization, first of all, is so crucial, right? There's something else to me. Actually, this isn't who I am. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It's it's that like you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm. And so that's why I find that sometimes it takes a crisis moment for people to see it because 
if things are moving along and they're working, then they're working. Right. Yeah. And it, and sometimes it takes a crisis for us to realize like, hold on a second, actually things are not working so well. <laughs> things are not looking so hot. I think I need to revisit that. And you mentioned it to me a few weeks ago. It's an ongoing process. It doesn't change. And then that's it. The work is done. It has to obviously be uh, to continue. However, you also mentioned it often takes a crisis moment and you had more than one crisis moments, I'd say. Tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you got to where you are right now. Um, how long you got? <laughs> well, can be flexible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, looking back, you know, they say hindsight is 2020, but you know, I went to school originally for business and then I switched and I went to political science and I did my master's and got my ideal job working overseas. And I just realized, you know, through that process that that really wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to help people, but I never really understood how until I was in the field doing the work I thought I wanted to do and realized, actually, this is not the way I want to help people. I want to see results more quickly. I want to see the fruition of my work more quickly. I want to work at the emotional level. So that sent me on this sort of year-long journey of just kind of finding myself because I had spent my whole life working towards one goal and realized, hey, that's not what I want. So I had a bit of an identity crisis in terms of like, who am I? What do I want? You know, so I explored so many things like different kinds of energy work, yoga, holistic lifestyle stuff, just all over the place. Any interest I had, I explored it. I lived off of my credit card and the help of my parents <laughs> way back then. And that was back in 2008. And I ended up at a coaching seminar on over a weekend. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And I just leapt in. I bought the trainings and I just, I was like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and I just went in with all of my energy. I, I decided that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I learned hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming and um, just timeline therapy, so many different tools. And I used those in my practice for many years. And over time, um, things in my life started changing. I started growing and evolving myself. And there were pressures in my life, like everyone has in terms of relationships and just, you know, things that you face and navigate as you grow older. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed um, with an autoimmune skin condition that was really aggressive. It can cause like mutilation of your skin. And After that, I was, I got pregnant and I had my son. And so there's all these factors of this illness that was starting to get really intense. After the birth of my son, I was fatigued. I had adrenal fatigue. I wasn't sleeping. Like, you know what it's like to be a new mom. You're just like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is happening? What day is it? You know, I haven't slept in ages. And so it just felt like I, I just couldn't keep it together anymore. Like I just had too much stress and pressure, like, and I was just tired. I was exhausted. And I realized that what I had been doing, like I consider myself a pretty like spiritual person in this open to personal development. I've been doing personal development work, self-help work since as long as I can remember. And so I realized at that time that what I had been doing is that I had some relationships and things occurring in my life that really were crossing some boundaries and some lines, but instead of like shifting in the way I actually should have, I kept saying to myself, 
well, maybe I need to be a more loving person. Maybe I need to be a more accepting person. You know, maybe I need to change and grow. And, and I don't think that's the wrong perspective. I just think there was another side of it that was like, you just need to say no. Like, you know, you have to say like, this isn't okay. And that's not okay. Or really own what I expect in my life and the standard that I expect for myself. And so when I was, had my son, I just didn't have the energy to like, keep that up mm-hmm. to, to do that. And I just started to see that in my marriage and in some of my extended family relationships, that there was like patterns going on that I just had no energy for that were not serving me, that weren't making me feel good. And I had to start saying like, sorry, like this is not okay. And, and I was no longer concerned with like, oh, I need to make sure my marriage works, or I need to make sure this relationship works, or I need to make sure I'm this kind of person. I was like, I, I need to make sure that I can survive and be here and exist and live and thrive. Uh, And so that's what matters. And so I started to see that there were many ways in which I wasn't honoring myself, that I wasn't walking the path of wholeness, right? And there's ways I was really wanting other people to change and not even noticing that I was holding this energy where I was hoping that they'd change and be different where really I I had to set a new standard for myself. And when you make that internal shift, I'm sure you've experienced it. Like when you set a new standard for yourself internally and you're like, I will or will not accept this type of energy, this type of life, things around you start to move. People start to move to adjust. Either they move to adjust or they move out (laughs) of your life, right? And that's what happened to me. Things started to adjust. I went on this healing journey. I really started connecting to my body. So a lot of the work I do now is somatic in in nature, bringing people back to their body, asking, like really starting to learn the language of your body of like, what is my body saying right now? You know, a lot of people like, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what my body is saying. Well, before I can say that I feel sad or happy or mad, the body feels it before we can actually label it. There's a sensation in your body. And so the process of healing through my illness, through just my relationships, through, you know, becoming a new mom taught me so much to use my body as a beacon of what to do next, where to go next, rather than all the voices around me. I became the expert in my own life around healing. And I use that principle in everything, not just like healing physical things, like working at the emotional level, doing manifestation work, like it applies to everything. Your body is literally telling you where to go, what to do all the time. And it's just about tuning into that. So a lot of my work used to be about mindset and it still is, but mindset, I believe comes secondary to actually like listening and honoring what the body says, because when you start to listen and honor to the the body, the mind will freak out. The mind does not like that, right? It's mind-based functioning. We're so used to it. The mind's like, no, I must control the body's like, nah, do this thing that makes no sense, right? And, or that has no like step A, B, C planned out. And so the mind gets on board later as you create trust with your body and you create this trust. You're like, oh, I can trust my body. You know, it, it, it led me the right way. Or I honored that feeling I had about this person or that thing. And I was right, <laughs> you know, or I have emotions that are bubbling up inside of me right now. And instead of trying to fix them, which is what my mind wants to do, right? Is fix them. I'm going to just sit in them and I'm going to feel them. I'm going to let the sensation overtake my body. And then when you do that, it releases, right? Because we are not meant to, as humans, hold on to 
these emotions, but we do, you know, I always talk about this. You see little children, they move their bodies. They look so wacky. They're constantly like wiggling and jiggling. And it's because they're processing their emotion. They're processing whatever's coming up for them through their body. But as adults, we're so static. Like we don't let ourselves move. And, and so the emotions get trapped in our body. And so when you actually, when you're like, I feel sad or I feel anxious or I feel overwhelmed, if you were to ask yourself, hmm, like, where do I feel that in my body? Oh, I feel it in my stomach. Oh, well, what does it feel like? You close your eyes and you're like, oh, it feels bubbly or it feels warm or whatever. And you just kind of like sit with it and let it be as big as it wants. And you mm-hmm. say, you know, on a scale of one to 10, I feel it at a level eight and sit with it and sit with it and sit with it until you feel it change and start to dissipate and becomes like a three out of 10, a two out of 10. And then you let it release and you will feel the shift in your body and you will gain some knowledge and your body will tell you some wonderful information about what you need to know about what this is all about. So that is my very long answer to your question about what my journey was and kind of like where I'm going now with my work. And it's, it's really all about teaching people that they are the medicine of their own lives. I was just sitting here listening to you, right? And I noticed a shift in my, uh, myself right away. I was literally noticing. And if the power is already there in a few minutes of listening to you, sharing your experience, but also just demonstrating how you can do that somatic work, then I, I just wonder how powerful uh, 45 minutes an hour can be. So I would love to hear from the audience, obviously, once they have listened to the show, what they noticed about themselves. But thank you for being so generous and sharing your story with us. And I can yeah. tell you, that's not been all that I want to know about your story, because some of what you said sounded so simple. And I'm like, why don't more people do it? <laughs> so one, one part being that you had this autoimmune skin condition, you were a new mom, you were surrounded by society's wants and expectations on you. And then suddenly you shifted. So I don't believe it was sudden. I think there's quite a bit of hard work going into it. And you mentioned a few examples, but it would be great if we could delve a little bit deeper into what steps you took, how long it took, what obstacles you faced along the way, perhaps as well. You know, it's interesting because it wasn't all of a sudden, but when you hit those peak moments, it's like you're able to cut through all the BS uh, that you've been telling yourself, or that's kind of been keeping it all together. And then everything just seems so much more clear. (laughs) And I remember it was a particular night. I was so exhausted and I was just so worried about this illness. And I just felt like it was completely out of control, this skin condition. And I was afraid that it was spreading. And I just felt so like I just couldn't control anything. And I wanted to control everything. And I felt that sort of dichotomy in my body of like, just really wanting to control everything, but knowing I absolutely just could not control most of the things that were happening. And so the only thing I could do in that moment was I can only come back to what's present right now inside of me. And that's my feelings. That is the only thing I can have any semblance of control over at this moment. And I needed control so badly. that I needed to feel it so badly that I was like, okay, let's just focus on my breath. Let's focus on what's here. Like, and that's kind of what started. It was this like feeling of just wanting control and really not being able to have it. And for me in my own personal kind of healing journey, hyper vigilance and wanting to control things is like a big part of my story. And so I've always 
worked on healing that and, 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 and like allowing myself to release control and allowing myself to feel safe and doing nervous system work that helps me to feel calm and safe in the face of perceived danger or threats, or, you know, even just a little bit of lack of control. <laughs> so my kind of go-to was, well, what can I control in this journey? Right. Mm-hmm. And so the first bit of it was, okay, like, let me get some health practitioners in there. Let me get someone that I can talk to about things at an emotional level. You know, let me, let me get some spiritual support. I'm a very spiritual, energetic person. Let me see who can help me on that. And that was my way of kind of, of taking control of just getting other people that were a little bit ahead of me, a little bit or a lot ahead of me on their path and could guide me. They could give me some tools, you know, and I, I just needed that. I, I just felt like I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it alone. You know, I didn't want to go through this alone. I just, I didn't have the energy for that. I needed people to carry me because I was in such a vulnerable place. And I had for so many years been the coach, been the healer. I was always in the position of, leading others. Mm. And I realized that I never fully let myself be held. I never did. And it's because, uh, you know, I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of love, a lot of love, but also a lot of conflict and chaos. And there wasn't a lot of room for my, my stuff, right? I was constantly sort of that radar looking at, well, what's the next possible conflict that's going to happen or the next thing that could go wrong. This is where the hypervigilance started, right? And so my focus was external. And this was the first time ever that I was like, I really need to be held. Like I need to crumble. And I didn't feel comfortable crumbling because I didn't feel like there was anybody in my life that I could trust to hold me in that process. And it wasn't that they couldn't do it, that they weren't capable of it. It was just that I had never allowed that, you know? And so this was a process of me bringing people into my life that I could crumble with. (laughs) Like, that's really what I needed. I needed that vulnerability. I needed someone to hold me and just give me that space. And whether that was in just like a conversation or something, the first part of that journey was bringing those people in, connecting to friends and loved ones that maybe I had been sheltering from like what was really kind of going on within me and only letting in a little bit. And it was through that, that I started to realize like, oh my goodness, there's so much of me that I've been hiding, that I've been hiding because I feel like it's not, it's like, I, this is a part where you're like, you know, sometimes don't realize you're doing it. I didn't realize that I was hiding parts of me that were very vulnerable because I felt that that wouldn't go along with my identity as a coach or as, as the one that even in my personal life, that the one that people talk to all the time about emotions and about things and, you know, and so that was a big part of it was just letting myself show my parts of myself to some very few, very trusted people to be like, I'm going through this and letting them hold me through that. And as they held me through that, I was able to get stronger. I was able to focus on like, you know, getting supports in to help me eat the healthier food and just like finding the resources to get that, that help, whether it was getting help with my son and giving time to me to sleep, you know, whether it was a weekend away where I just, I remember I spent an entire weekend, two and a half days in complete darkness in my room, no phone, no reading, no light, no nothing. Cause I just needed all of my senses to just not have to process anything. And so this was me listening to my body of what did, what did I need? And I think 
in the past, what I would have done is I would have thought my way through it. And I thought I would have been like, I need to journal and I need to meditate and I need to go on a weekend retreat. And, you know, I need to maybe go shopping. And, and really, I just needed rest. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. needed sleep. I needed rest. I needed the deep, deep, deep healing that comes from not doing very much. Exactly. And, and during that time, I remember I wouldn't even be able to like, if I had washed the dishes in the morning that day, that was all I could do. Like I could not do anything else. And I used to think to myself, like, how do I explain to people that I just don't have the capacity to do anything else? You know, I just don't. And um, now looking back, I have so much compassion for myself, but going through that, I was like, that part of me that always had everything together, or at least seemed like I always had everything together was like freaking out <laughs> that I wasn't accomplishing very much on a day-to-day basis. I was keeping my newborn alive <laughs> and well and fed, and I wasn't getting much else done. And it was a process of being like, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. And so that looked different every day. That also looked like people not understanding, you know, people who really cared about me, my husband, my family, really wanting to be there, really wanting to help and really wanting to understand, but not being able to, because I was going through this sort of breakdown on so many levels and I had to let that be okay. You know, I didn't always, I didn't like it. There was a lot of uh, hurt and feelings that came out, but I, I know that that was because I would be holding on to it for so many years. And so, so from 2018 to 2020, those two, those couple of years were really like purging and, letting out and sort of like, it was kind of like a decluttering of what had been within me, really that deeper skill set of using my body as the, the, the lighthouse of, you know, what, what's present, what needs space, what needs to be heard, what needs to be said and trusting me. And then 2021 was okay. Now the foundation has been cleared now setting that foundation again and finding my strength and my power once again. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what it looked like. Thank you. I say very carefully, thank you, or not with a strong voice, because I resonate so much with your story. I had so many moments where I'm like, oh my God, I remember that. And I was there while I am there. There are parts of it where I see myself now. And it was almost painful to listen because I'm like, oh, I need to do something in that field. But at the same time, it's so encouraging that if we take one step after the other, there is some tremendous change we can create. In particular, when you talked about letting other people hold you, be basically being there for you, I am rubbish at asking for help and crumbling and being vulnerable. And there were so many years when people said to me, you know, I can't quite get through to you. There's something oh, that, that holds me back. That was before I did my personal work. And I feel like in the last few years, I've built a bit of that wall up again. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the process now to recognize it earlier, obviously, and then to do something with it and to really get in touch with the emotions. So I have a lot of empathy and sympathy and pain at the same time that I'm feeling right now. It comes in waves, right? Mm. Like I think that those, I know that those same sort of patterns and flavors, I want to say, not even patterns that we deal with, they come back to us in different points of our life in different ways for like a deeper healing, a deeper resolution and a deeper stepping, you know, reclaiming of our wholeness. And, and that is the work, right? And that is the work. It's just now 
when we hear, when you can listen and you're like, oh, I, you know, you're showing such an awareness of like, oh, I'm feeling that on so many levels. You're doing the somatic work as you're listening to my story because you're seeing where it's resonating with you and connecting the dots. And then that's when we open up to the body and say, okay, so body lead me, like what's next now that I've seen this. I also want to come back to your story about you spending two and a half days basically into darkness. And you said, I was literally doing nothing. And I am a true believer that in particular, when we find ourselves in moments like these, where we feel literally exhausted, disconnected, right? That this is one of those moments where our body does a lot. This moment of, I literally need to switch off. I don't need to connect with anything or with anybody is the moment when our body does some deep recovery work. So for those of you who ever believe not doing something is luxury, is a no-go, I shouldn't be doing that, I'm being perceived as, as um, lazy or something like that, truly listen to your body. Mm-hmm. And if you have the chance to notice the signs that your body is, is going into an exhaustion state, then switch off as soon as possible. And don't wait for this moment where you need two to three days actually to give your body some energy again. So those regular connections I noticed with myself, where I simply be and where I literally force myself not to, not to have this need of being in control are essential. Yeah. I find that we can, as a society, tend to, when we're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, we begin to look at all the lack oh, I'm not doing enough of this, or this is falling apart. I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And then the list starts to grow and the anxiety starts to grow. And then we start to push ourselves more. And then we get in this endless cycle of adrenal fatigue, (laughs) right? We're just so exhausted. And you're right. Like, I completely agree with you that if you can just stop in those moments and you can just bring yourself to stop, and take it slower, know that you are supported, know that you are guided, know that it doesn't have to be hard. It gets to be easy if you decide decide that it is. Then you can take the time and the space. You know, most things will be there tomorrow or in an hour or in 10 minutes. Like they'll still be there exactly the way they were before. And we use busyness as a way of making ourselves feel good enough. That is another symptom of not operating from your wholeness. You know, if you are just making yourself busy, constantly focusing on this, that, or the other thing, it's taking us, it's mind-based functioning. It's taking us away from the body, taking us away from the nervous system's calmness. And it's another way of seeking to feel good enough, which it will never be enough because the part of us that's going to feel enough is when we listen to that inner child that's going, hello, I'm tired, or hello, I want to play, or hello, I just want some love. And when we start to listen to that part and give it actually what it wants is when we will start to feel whole, we will start to feel worthy on a more consistent basis. So we won't constantly be on this like journey to try to get that from doing more or being more or showing up as more. So true. You mentioned earlier on that some people around you, once you set boundaries, adjust or get out, basically. And you said, well, I was surrounded by adjustment, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I could only imagine that this is a process too. other people understanding the shift in you as well and understanding this real person mm-hmm. and then being able to adjust. So mm-hmm. what 
advice would you basically share with the people around you? I will be completely honest and say that when I was moving through this, I really did not give a crap what people thought. I didn't care if they stayed. I really didn't. Like I wanted them to, I really did, but I was suffering emotionally. I had a lot, I was just exhausted. And so I reached kind of my own kind of breaking point at that time. And I, and and actually remember saying to myself, you know what, in the past, I've always made decisions because I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for this reason. I'm doing this for my career. I'm doing this for my marriage. I'm doing this for my family or, you know, all this reason that I'm doing things for. And then I remember that that same night I told you where I was just like having, I just kind of broke, really felt myself at rock bottom. In that moment, I said to myself, you know, if I'm going to be, I need to get it together because I have a child that's depending on me now and I got to do it for this child. And in that moment, instantly a voice came in my head and said, shut up. <laughs> like it was just like, shut up. You know, you, you cannot don't play the same game with yourself because you're doing this for somebody. You have to do it for you. And if you don't do it for you, you're going to find yourself in the same cycle again and again. And so I made a commitment to myself that no matter what happens, I am going to honor me. And that means that I might lose some people. And that is going to be worth it because at least I won't lose myself. If I lose myself and I am not here, then I am not good to anybody. So unfortunately, I mean, like fortunately, actually, I'm going to be choosing myself here. So that was step one. I wasn't actually attached to people adjusting to me. And I think we need to lose that attachment. And it's hard. It's not easy. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm not attached to it. I don't care anymore. Like, screw you. It wasn't like that. Yeah. But internally, I had made the decision that, hey, some people might stay, some people might go, and that's just what's going to have to happen. I have to take it day by day, and I can't think about that. I can't think about the different disastrous scenarios that I'll have to deal with if that happens. Um, so that was one. The other one was like with really close loved ones, like my husband or my mom or, you know, like really close like friends. I just had a few. I, I could count them on, the, on one hand, the people that I was really just bringing in close. I would say like, hey, these are the things I can go through. Like I might, when I'm super emotional, if I'm like really crying and I say, I don't need, just please give me some space. Please honor that. That means give me space. Right. I also can, I would give them a few different things they could say, you know, like I was like, please tell me that you love me, that you're going to get, you're going to be here for me, that we're going to get through this together. Like I would give them like actual sentences be like, say these things <laughs> when I'm feeling like this, if you need to say something. And so I would give them the sort of like, here, this is how you help me. Because people like that. They want to know what they can do, right? I brought them in. I just brought them into my process. I let them know what was going on. You know, if, if I was going through uh, uh, highs and lows, I let them know. I just kept them informed. Not that they needed to, I needed to keep them abreast of my journey, but it was part of me allowing myself to be seen to say, Hey, I'm going through this right now, or, Hey, I have the capacity for this right now, but, or I don't have the capacity. And I started to tell people like, Hey, ask me for permission before you come to me with, I need to talk or I need this from you, or, you know, there's this thing going on. Maybe there's like a mundane thing. Like we need to do grocery and we need to clean the house and we need to do this before you come to me with anything. Just ask me if it's a good time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I just start to do little things like that. Mm. And then I had to create some hard lines, right. Where I was like, look, 
please don't speak about my personal life to other people. Also, please, you know, this is our, like, for example, with my, my, my husband, you know, we come from in culturally, there's a lot of collectiveness, you know, there's a lot of it. Everybody kind of knows everything and expects to be involved and on a level that's wonderful, but sometimes it's not, especially when you're dealing with a newborn. (laughs) Right. And so there was times where I had to say like, I am not dealing with this. Like this is your family or your friends or your whatever. So I'm not dealing with this. You can deal with this. You can go speak to them. You can go say whatever you need to say, but I am not dealing with this. These are my boundaries. This is when people can come over. This is when this can happen or that can happen. And and these are my boundaries and this is what I need. And I I stopped explaining myself before I'd be like, you know, it's because of this reason. And I hope everyone feels, you know, what do you think they'll think if we say it like this? Like maybe we should say it like this or that. And I stopped caring. I was like, this is it. Yes. It's not personal. (laughs) I'm loving this. It's not personal, right? It's like, (laughs) if it's personal, that's different, but it's yeah. not, it's, it's very neutral. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to take it personally, well, that's your stuff and you got to yeah. deal with it, but I'm not here to deal with it for yeah. you. Right. And, and sometimes a lot of times I find when you come from that neutrality, people have an easier time adjusting to it because they feel the neutrality in you. But when you take the ownership of like, Oh my God, like what if people take it the wrong way? They feel that we're so energetically connected, right? That we feel that. And then we feed off of each other's energy in that way. So the more we can come from this like neutral place of I'm doing this for me because I love me. And it doesn't mean that I don't love you. This has nothing to do with you. And I found that getting that energy right in my body of like disconnecting from that other person's need to understand me created a gigantic shift in people being able to adjust to what was going on with me because I was no longer hooked into their energy and causing them to hook into me. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I I feel this sense of empowerment. (laughs) You empowered yourself, but your energy came right across to me. And, And I spoke to someone, one of my coaches the other week, and she said to me, you own you and not anybody else. What they take on board what they perceive as personal or not is basically up to them. You are there to treat other people, obviously, respectfully. As you said, you know, it's not about a personal matter. It's about setting your boundaries, explaining something very clearly and um, sharing your needs, which can also help other people understand who you are, what's important to you and build therefore a stronger connection. And long story short, she said something very similar to me. And I found that very, very empowering. And I thought, yeah, and it is about me here and about standing up for myself as well mm-hmm. and making sure that I feel good about myself. And I don't mean it. I mean it in a selfish way, but healthily selfish way, because then I can be the best for other people too, especially a newborn in this case. So it yeah. highly resonates. Good. Yeah. I'm glad it's, it's so interesting. It's just, you said the word selfish And I think about that so often because we have such a interesting relationship with that word. And I feel it is changing because I think we, we are talking about it more in terms of a healthy selfishness and also changing that just because I'm advocating for me does not mean that I'm taking something away from the collective or, you know, from you or people around me. And that is something we really need to shift within ourselves. We take responsibility, I think, a lot of us. 
especially women, especially empathic, sensitive people, we can take a lot of responsibility for what other people are going to perceive. And and maybe that's because you may be more highly intuitive and and able to pick up on things that perhaps others aren't even aware of about themselves. (laughs) And so I think that we need to really disconnect that advocating for your personal self or not even disconnect, just know that that goes hand in hand with being part of a collective. It doesn't have to be separate. We don't have to choose. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel already lighter just listening to your stories and experiences. And one point you made before was all about how you feel in this moment. And you said you feel in tune about yourself. You have more clarity. And I would say I feel more at ease with myself, lighter, easily to connect with, less irritated. All of that are definitely signs that I am far more living my wholeness. What I'm curious about is... What will other people see in you? And this isn't connected to, oh my God, how will other people perceive me? It's this podcast called Legendary Leaders. What I often say is leadership is all about ourselves. And if we deal with ourselves, basically manage our emotions, we have a positive impact on the world around us, Mm -hmm. which is a win-win situation, isn't it? So how are people being perceived who have gone through this journey, who are more in tune with themselves? Yeah. When I tune into that, I I really just feel the energy. Like when we shift in that way, people feel you differently. They feel you differently. They feel your presence. They feel the shift within you. And I have had people say that to me, like, you know, Nira, you just, you feel, you seem so much more at ease. Like you seem really happy, you know, or whatever it might be, you seem really aligned to your work and your purpose. And people will say those things. This is what you'll hear. You know, when you do this work, you're going to start hearing people say, Hey, I noticed this about you. Or my gosh, you're really glowing. Your face looks different. Like this is what my clients will tell me. Like people were actually, they look at old pictures of themselves and they're like, I have changed. Like my face is different. Mm -hmm. You know, you're features, like I kid you not, will change because you are making this cellular level change within you. You are literally taking junk out of yourself, letting it release, creating space for newness, honoring yourself, and your body is changing to reflect that. That's what people are going to perceive. They're going to feel you and they're going to let you know, hey, I noticed this about you. And it might be a passing comment, But to the person hearing it, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, as I've been doing the work, right? I've been doing the work. What's so powerful is that, especially when it comes to leadership, is because we are always leading people in our lives. You know, we are always leading whether we know it or not. And and when we can come back to our wholeness, when we can be like, I am the authority in my life and live from that place, not like we're not like, you know, it's not, I'm not on a megaphone going like, Hey, like I'm the authority of my life. Don't tell me what to do. It's not like that. It's like, you really come back to you as, as like the wise kind of, you are the wise elder. You're listening to that, that historical generational knowledge and knowing that's within you and you're letting it lead you. And when you do that, I think that is the most revolutionary act because you are now being a model for other people of how to do that. So all those people around you that are adjusting, quote unquote, to you, you're actually modeling to them how they can also show up in their life in that way. 
And it's happening in a completely unconscious, unspoken way, similar to how our early caregivers model to us what it means to be a woman or a man or whatever, and how to operate in society or what it means to be successful or what it means to be happy, what it means to be liked. They're modeling that to us in an unconscious way. They aren't typically sitting down and telling us how this should be, right? And so many of us, not everyone, many of us have not have role, had role models to show us what it means to show up in your wholeness. So we are now doing that work and we're doing it for the generations that are coming after us and the generations before us. So we're doing this work and we are literally creating paradigm shifting change for people. And this is what they see in us. And this is what they're going to see in you. And this is what you're showing everyone all the time. And that's how it's being perceived. And they are able to now have permission and a know-how of doing that in their own lives. And a lot of it is happening at that deeply unconscious level. So how can people join your movement and become their own medicine? Oh my gosh. Come say hi to me. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> you can follow me there sharing daily inspiration. I love connecting with people. Honestly, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Come by, say hello. Tell me that you found me here on Kathleen's podcast <laughs> and take a look around, you know, come be in my world, explore. There's lots of offerings, you know, digital offerings, one-on-one -on -one offerings, group offerings, depending on when you listen to this, something will be there. And then, you know, you can always connect with me and chat if you want to talk about working together. But I invite you to come over to Instagram. That's where I'm most present. And I'm always chatting up and talking about things there. And I love answering your questions. And your account name is Nira Lal? It's at Nira Lal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can also visit my website, which is niralal.com. Brilliant. Well, I can highly recommend that you pop over and have a look and connect with Nira. If you found this conversation just half as interesting as I did, thank you so much for your generosity to share those beautiful and I know sometimes very painful stories with us and to give your insights so freely away. I really appreciate it. And I have no doubt the audience will have um, appreciated it as well. Let's definitely stay in touch and your audience do connect. I say it again. Thank you so, so much, Nira. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Have a wonderful week, Nira. And speak to you very soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.